Welcome to the Bucky Cast, folks. John here along with Rob and Will. Rob, how are you doing this week? I am doing well. Getting used to the, as I noted before, cold weather coming in um, and enjoying the fall. Will, how about you? Kind of similar. Enjoying the change of weather. Trying to get out fishing as many more times as I can before it's totally even too cold to do that. And optimistic, cautiously, one and all under Jim Leonard, but we'll get more to that later. Yep. It's going to be an interesting uh, procession going on from here forth with our new football head coach, but we'll get into that. Like you said, a little bit later, we've also got volleyball news. We've got men's and women's soccer news, men's and women's hockey news. You name it. We got it. We even got basketball news. The red-white scrimmage was this last weekend. So, you know, the the witching hour is upon us, folks. October and November when there's nothing but college sports going on. Well, besides the NFL and, you know, Major League Baseball. But who cares about Major League Baseball? The Brewers are out of the playoffs. We don't worry about them. Anyway, let's get to our beer round table. And Will, I'll start with you. What are you drinking tonight? You know, I, I realized as I opened this earlier, I think you might have drank this last week. So if you did, I just apologize for doubling up. Um, but I got a Fest beer from Gathering Place. Is that what you had last week? No, no, I didn't have that. All right. Rob, was that you? Probably. Not uh, two weeks ago. I had a nice line in Kugel last week, but two weeks uh, Okay. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> it's a Munich style Fest beer, you know, not the Oktoberfest spirit. It's good. They'll probably call it Fest Beer instead of Oktoberfest. It's like it's not good enough to be (laughs) Oktoberfest. It's just a fest. I like it. It's it's maltier than I thought, but it's it's good beer. As a fest beer should be. I mean, known for their maltiness. Well, that's cool. Rob, what do you have? Well, I grabbed this in honor of, as you said, the first win for Jim Leonard. It's a Goose Island Beer Company IPA called Neon Bear Hug. So We'll see gotta, gotta love uh <laughs> gotta love a fun can and a fun name like neon bear hug how's it taste Ten thousand volts of flavor is what it tastes like <laughs> let's see did, did it shock your palate oh here he goes delicious ipa ipa okay so it's so it's hoppy is what you're it's hoppy yeah okay but it's delicious right. drinking out of his giant stein slash mug that he's got that is impressive. You belong in a Munich beer hall with that thing. Wow. Jealousy. Uh, I am drinking out of Milwaukee, Indeed Brewing Company. Uh, I was surprised. This is on the bargain table at uh, Quick Trip. So I was like, I got to snatch this up. because It's not every day this piles on there. Uh, Indeed's Pistachio Cream Ale. It's a very sweet beer, folks. Like cream ales are normally very sweet. You add pistachio in there. It's 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 a dessert beer. I don't. I you know a lot of serious hopheads don't take dessert beers very seriously. This is a good beer. It's very drinkable. It's a dangerous beer because uh, it can be drunken uh, very quickly and tastes very good. So that's our uh, that's our beer roundtable. You got a crit trip, so it goes well with a sausage and pepperoni burrito. Actually, I was thinking more along the lines <laughs> of the three-piece uh, chicken tenders, <laughs> but um, which are which are stupendous. But this turned into an advert for Quick Trip, and I, I, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize both to our listeners and to Quick Trip. We we don't mean to you know step on your toes. <laughs> thank you for the thank you for the discount beer table. I appreciate it. Let's get to the serious portion of our show. I which may never come up but let's get to the next portion of our show the wisconsin volleyball team ranked number five now in the country again we're back in the top five that's what happens when you uh, sweep indiana and then beat down a top 10 team in purdue uh three sets to one wisconsin was borderline against the number six team in the country which purdue was they're now number 11 but they were borderline dominant after they lost the first set, uh, 25-19, 25-18, and then 30-28. to 28. But frankly, if that's the winning set and you have to scrap it out, that's what you do. And that showed a lot of character from this Badger volleyball team. Fellows, what did you think of this weekend's action? 
I'll start. I'll start with Rob. Or no, I'm sorry. I'll start with Will because you you spoke All first. Right. All right. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was able to see some of those highlights against Purdue, and I think when you said like borderline dominant is a good way to put it. I always just get over because I'm I play in a sand volleyball league in the fall, and I'm very below average as a volleyball player, and I'm seeing myself like if my life depended on returning any of these shots, like I would die. But geez, you know, I, I know I know Ashburn's playing well. I know I read that Orzal had 19 kills versus Purdue. As a quick aside, did you guys hear Kelly Sheffield go off in the NCAA on, I think, I think it was yesterday or Sunday about the whole yeah. uh, transfer? Oh, yes. I he he was so very much. heated. And uh, this is why Kelly Sheffield is a great ambassador for a collegiate women's volleyball in general. Women's athletics, really. Yeah. Yeah. Like, women's athletics in general. And, and really a, a tribute to him being here at Wisconsin. We've often said he's not, whatever he's being paid, it's not enough. And Chris McIntosh needs to make sure that he's the highest paid volleyball coach in the Big Ten because he's not only bringing in numbers and numbers of great recruits, but he's also a voice in the women's volleyball community. And he is beginning to take on a uh, size in that community that is entirely disproportionate to his actual accomplishments, which are great, by the way. But he's become a huge advocate. Yeah, he was. He's heated about the Chanel Bromschreiber situation as well. He should be because Wisconsin got hosed and she got hosed. More importantly, in this whole deal, but she's back now. She can start playing uh, this week against Iowa. So we're going to find out. You know what? You know, is this was this worth the wait? I'm assuming it will be. Wisconsin got has some great outside hitters right now. Uh, in Orzel and uh, Sarah Franklin, uh, their st- their back line still a little sketchy in terms of uh, returning serve. Hopefully, uh, Brom Schreiber comes in and maybe stabilizes that a little bit. It's not like Gulce Guchtekin has been a liability at Libero. She just got awarded Co Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week and Freshman of the Week. So congratulations to her and virtually three quarters of the volleyball team also had their birthdays in the last week. So I'm exaggerating. It wasn't that many, but it was like a lot of people dropped all of a sudden. So (laughs) happy birthday to all of you Badgers who are celebrating birthdays in the last week. I think there are three or four of you. This was an important week for Badger volleyball because they really had to get uh, a good bit of steam going. The win at Purdue is especially huge. And now they've got upcoming um, matches against, let's see, at, they're at Iowa on Friday. Or no, they're home against Iowa. No, they're at Iowa. Sorry. Sorry, people. I'm vacillating. I'm not looking at my notes. I'm going to look at my notes now. They're at Iowa. And then on Sunday, they are home against Michigan, which is going to be on ESPN2. So that's a good chance for everyone who doesn't normally tune in to Badger Women's Volleyball to uh, tune in because they're on the worldwide leader. Everyone should give a, a watch. That Michigan team is ranked number 24, by the way. They're pretty good. So I would expect a, a bit of a struggle. So Iowa is not good in women's volleyball. I would expect a sweep, but we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, I think the next couple of weeks are going to be very important. Ashford does look a lot better. We're doing a lot more in-system plays, which mm-hmm. is nice to see. I think the defense, you know, Chanel coming in should hopefully stiffen up the defense. But, yeah, we have Michigan twice in the next, I think, week and a half. Uh, so that's the, their 24th in the nation. And then I think we have Nebraska again in, an, in like a week and a half or two weeks as well. Uh, and they're ranked number three right now. So it's going to be really important to see how well we can gel and play against these higher ranked, uh, higher caliber teams over the next couple of weeks. Yep. Moving on, we've got men's soccer. We're just going to mention briefly, they did finally get a big 10. They scored goals, which was hugely important to their future progress in soccer. Uh, they had a comeback win at home against Michigan for uh, Pack the Mac at the McClyman Center, uh, scored goals at the 72 and 75 minute marks. Will, what have you got for the men's soccer team? Like you said, first, first, uh, big 10 win. They had two goals in the last, still 90 minutes for college, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they still scored two goals in the last 20 minutes of the game to kind of put them up to one, uh, including, uh, Keenan, which is his, uh, team leading fifth goal of the year. Yeah. Like, unfortunately couldn't, uh, couldn't get past Drake had a one-to-one tie there. Also, if you're if you tie in soccer, it's not like you couldn't get past them. It's like you you jumped over the fence and you're straddling it now. Yeah. 
it's like, uh, they didn't get their other leg over the fence. I'm envisioning when you say they couldn't get past Drake, they just hit the fence and bounced back, which is what they did against their previous four opponents. So <laughs> I'm sorry, three out of the four, because Northern Illinois was, was fed in there. But they have scored goals in their last two matches, which is great because they hadn't scored any for four consecutive matches. Anyway, they are sitting at four, five, and two now overall, one and three in the Big Ten. I don't expect miracles out of this out of this soccer team. They're already, I think, one goal away from passing last year's or from achieving last year's goal output for the season. Uh, it's going to be up to Coach Neil Jones as to whether they go any further than that. They are playing at Maryland on Friday, and then on Monday, I believe it's yep Monday. They are against Indiana. They need to stay aggressive. Their first couple games, they were getting six to eight shots on goal. They haven't had more than five shots on goal for the last, I want to say, six games until they played Michigan, and they won. They, they got 10 shots on goal against Michigan, and they won. So they just need to stay more aggressive, I think. Rob, we have to convince you to start calling them matches. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We've got to use the nomenclature if we're going to talk about it at all. Come on, man. Sorry, Rob, I didn't mean to put you on the, on the spot there. Quite all right. All right. Let's get to women's soccer. We'll do better with women's soccer. The Badgers had a big match at Northwestern. Uh, unfortunately, they came up on the short end of it, two to one. They had briefly tied it, uh, but Northwestern late pulled ahead. So now Wisconsin is tied for the Big Ten lead. 10-2 and two overall, five and one in the Big Ten. Riley Howard back to back Big Ten freshman of the week. So good for Riley. Women's soccer overall. I mean, they're they're still really good, regardless of losing to Northwestern. This is still, you know, the best start I can remember for women's soccer. And I've been following it for a couple of years. So they're always they've always been kind of the back of my mind. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't have anything more to add on that one. Rob, Will, anything? I just, I think that the, it's just going to go up from here. I'm really excited because most of the players you talked about, Riley, you know, Howard getting the Big Ten Freshman of the Year, uh, the leading scorer, I think, freshman, is a of sophomore, week, freshman, of uh, freshman of the Week. I think the leading scorer is a sophomore, if I remember correctly. So I just think that this team is going to get better and better over the next couple of years, and I'm really looking forward to it. I think there's only, what, four games left in the season. Sorry, yes. four matches left in the season. So, oh, you did it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think that, I, I just, it's going to be a great year, first of all, but I think it's going to be even better over the next two years as well. Will, anything to add to that? I think, I think Rob hit it. I mean, like a lot of young talent and it's another example of Wisconsin being awesome with women's sports. We're, we're going to keep hammering that point home, folks. Uh, Wisconsin's women's sports are something to come out and watch because, you know, everyone who's frustrated with the men's teams uh, needs to go out and watch the women's teams play except for that one fateful night at the Kohl Center when I just couldn't, you know, they couldn't put it all together, the volleyball team. But I'll forgive them for that. I'll forgive them. Anyway, moving on now to the next set of women's and men's sports. The number five women's hockey team uh, went in and swept St. Thomas 5 nothing and 9-1. to They essentially crushed them under their boot. Yeah, just, just an absolute shelling. Of, of their WCHA opponent. St. Thomas is, is newer to the WCHA. They're a small religious school in Minnesota. So, I mean, that's kind of to be expected. But uh, they outshot St. Thomas 97 to 29. Unlike the men's soccer team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, is, there was no shortage of shooting from the women's hockey team. They shot the heck out of the puck. When I when I looked that up, I honestly God thought it was like an error. I was like, no, that's that can't that's wild. I'm blanking on our goalie's name. I think it it's Gervais. Gervais. I can't remember her first name. And I apologize to whoever it is. Uh, but I feel kind of, you know, she she only had to face 29 shots and she gave up a goal. Come on. Uh, Jane Gervais. Jane Gervais. Okay, that's what I thought. You know, compared to the compared to the St. Thomas goalie who only gave up 14 goals on 97 shots. So, you know, okay, fine. The percentages work out better for our goalie. Anyway. <laughs> Let's say. So yeah. it's just such a massive amount of shots. A <laughs> hundred shots in yeah, in a in a series is is pretty nuts. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, Wisconsin moves on. They will play much like the uh, men's team. They will play St. Cloud State uh, here at Lebon uh, this weekend. Wisconsin, I think, should probably pull that out as a sweep. St. Cloud State, not the not the uh, heights of the WCHA yet. So we're still. I I don't think we honestly play a team from outside the state of Minnesota until uh, New Year's Eve. So. <laughs> We're going to get a lot of experience with our with our neighbor to the north. Just wanted to point out, you thought 97 was impressive. They had 139 shots against Lindenwood with two games. I don't so. know if Lindenwood <laughs> even counts anymore. The only <laughs> game, the only game just render we them lost, down to exhibition. The only game we lost, we only had 28 shots on goal. Well, that's so, the secret. Then there we you just go. Gotta, we've just got to pour 50 shots on goal every every single game, and then we'll we'll easily win. Meanwhile, I've got to turn to the men's hockey team. I don't want to, but I have to. Uh, right now, they're sort of the black sheep. At least women's basketball is trying. I'm not sure what men's hockey is doing right now. Uh, they got swept by Ohio State. They started off conference play right off the bat uh, in the Big Ten. They had a 3 to nothing lead on Saturday after getting knocked out of uh, the arena on Friday night. Saturday night, they have a 3 nothing lead going into the second middle of the second period and they coughed up four goals and this is classic tony granado uh hockey where they just can't score enough to outscore the other team because they don't play good defense and their goaltending stinks i don't i don't know what to take out of this um other than chris mcintosh you need to pay some attention to your men's hockey team because it's rapidly going down the toilet to the point where it's going to take them a, a huge effort to resurrect it I don't care how many good recruits we have in the pipe. Um, this is this is subpar, uh, not up to the course. I wouldn't say this for any other sport, but it's men's hockey at Wisconsin for Christ's sake. Let's fix this, and that will be my my clarion call until such time as they do fix it. Because men's hockey is supposed to be a men's hockey is a revenue sport at Wisconsin for God's sake. They used to fill the Kohl Center up, fifteen thousand people. And you're lucky to get half that to a third of that now. Anyway, we keep hammering on this. I, I honestly think the coaching staff doesn't know how to coach defense. I mean, I don't, we, we, got four, we, got, we got four goals uh, in the two games, but there were seven against us. We have, you know, we're scoring goals. We just cannot stop anybody on the ice. Well, the first, the first, game was was just it was it was you know we're we're outmatched but when you get a lead of three goals you should be able to keep that yeah and this has been the story since tony granado took over they cannot hold a lead if it's a straight shootout they have to outscore the other the other team and they just can't because the defense is so bad anyway we've been going on about them too long now so let's switch to men's basketball the red white scrimmage took place this last uh, Sunday. It was an interesting, it was an interesting game. I'm going to kick it to Will because Will is our, is our basketball expert and he's got the most to say about this one. So we'll go ahead. Yeah. So normally if I were to say there's any like major takeaways from this red, white scrimmage, like I would have, you should assume I'm lying or I'm on something like this is not supposed to be like some, some major event. However, it's kind of hard to ignore considering the amount of shooters and how well the team shot the ball. Um, you know, specifically, uh, Klesmith, the Nina native, went to Wofford for two years, transferred in. Uh, he led all scorers with 17. I think he had three threes, if I remember correctly. And uh, Connor Asijan, I think I said that correctly, he had 15, and dude went six for seven. He also had three threes. Part of me is like, well, yeah, that gets a good shooter. He, he was either number 10 or number nine in Indiana State basketball history and total points scored. So, like, dude can shoot, right? Now, having he said was that, not, not a okay. highly rated prospect. He wasn't. I was actually, full honesty, I was, when last, when his recruiting class looked like it was only going to be one player, maybe two, and then it got down to one, there was at least one or two other players where I was hoping we were going to get them instead. And it kind of get down to him now. Obviously, I'm not great guard. I'm not doing the scouting. Like it's not up to me. Um, but guard might have uh, 
found something here. And I know defense is the calling card and defense is what gets you on the court. Um, you know, it looks like Wisconsin is going to be a little deeper than they were last year. Obviously not the top end talent we had, but if we have someone that can score the ball like this, like, geez, like put them on the court. Yeah. And then the other thing I'll add, you know, Tyler wall is not a player who has done a ton of uh, his scoring outside of geez, I don't know, six feet, eight feet in his Badger career. To his credit, he has the last couple of years taken some outside shots. And while his shot isn't bad, it was a little forced, a little like kind of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Disjoint. Um, but Tyler Wall was hitting a couple threes. He was hitting some like jump shots, you know, kind of longer shots off the dribble. And his shot looks so fluid now. Like, I don't know how much time or if it was something he worked on specifically or something with the coaching staff, but that, that looks like a much nicer natural shot. And, you know, if, if you think about how t- effective Tyler wall was the first half of last year and how teams responded to him, if Tyler wall could even be a 30% three point shooter and just be a player who like, if you give him an open, like mid range jump shot, he can make it defenses are going to have a problem with him, but he can score near the hoop. He can score off the dribble, get into the rim, but teams are just give him so much space last year. I tell you my secret dream. Yeah. What was that? Is that I can I tell you my secret dream about Tyler wall, that he is, that sounds way worse than it actually is folks. Uh, (laughs) That he comes back for his COVID year next year. And uh, as a fifth year senior and can kind of take Nolan winter and Gus Yaldon under his wing. Because Tyler Wall has not Ethan Happ post moves, but he's got moves down in the post. And, you know, that's like, you got to teach that stuff to the next guy coming down. Because he, I'm sure he got a little bit of instruction from Happ before Happ graduated. I don't, did they ever play with each other? Yeah. 2019. I'm not sure if they did. I have to look that up. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't but know. But like, one thing I will say, if if, Tyler, if this shooting we are seeing from Tyler Wall, if that's if that's legit, like I said, even if he's just a average shooter, like he he might leave because I'm not saying NBA, he'll have professional opportunities overseas. Unless if his NIL money is good, who knows? Maybe he'll stay. That's right. We cannot forget about NIL money. Yeah. The uh, collective is coming, people. And then lastly, this uh, transfer from Green Bay, McGee, like. He's he's gonna be a, a nice change of pace from Chucky. Um, that's gonna be a nice backup point guard. Uh, I've I've heard people make saying he's gonna be a better option than like a Trevor Anderson type. I'm not gonna say that yet, just because like you know you haven't seen a kid play a full game with the Wisconsin jersey yet. But I'm I'm excited about that one. He uh, think, he is a water bug. I think you hit the nail on the head though. I'm I'm not as sure about McGee, but but your point is that when we came into this season, we knew we had Hepburn out on the outside. We know he, he can create a shot if he needs to, and he's and he's good at running the offense. We knew we had Wall and Crowell, and and they're both good in the paint. The question was last year, Wall couldn't step out and, and give himself a little bit of relief from being ganged up upon by taking that outside shot. And it looks like he's he's been able to not perfect, but at least increase his ability with that outside shot. And it's going to give him a lot more versatility and the offense to be able to play that post and step outside as well, just to relieve some of the pressure that's on him. Because let's be honest, towards the end of the year, they were ganging up on Crowell and, and Wald underneath. And we couldn't do anything and, and without them having to pass out. And luckily we had a couple of good players out there coming into this year. We weren't sure about the players they would be able to pass out to, but I think with Klesman showing what he can do. And I know Asijian is just a freshman, but if he could show any type of defense and can shoot like he shoots, then I think that flushes out a nice, you know, five. I'm not going to say Jordan Davis isn't going to be in there or, you know, Ilver, anybody, Ilver, anybody like that. But I think it gives a lot more promise into a starting five that can hit you outside and inside at the same time. So a lot more promising than going into the season, what we what, what it was looking like. Yeah, this, this team might have the most amount of like pure shooters we've had in a while. We'll, we'll see what happens when season starts. But yeah, it let's could be not some. get ahead of ourselves too much because we... <laughs> 
you know, this is this is even more barren of a team in terms of like uh, of of known talent than I think we even had last year. And we had no clue that Johnny Davis was going to be as good as he was. Now, Hepburn and Crowell, you know, the 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 word out is number one that Hepburn might be the top young point guard in the Big Ten and maybe oh, yeah. one, of the, one of the top three point guards, period, in the Big Ten. For if, sure. If Chucky Hepburn and Stephen Crowell take that big step and Wall increases his scoring, you know, the, the sky's the limit for the Badgers, but they have to actually take that step. And that's the part where you don't want to get ahead of yourself, but we'll see. Uh, top, this four. Is, yeah. top four in the big 10. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> it's happening. Oh, I'm not man. even, I'm not even worried about it. Like it's, they're going to, they're going to be guys, top four. You guys are getting cocky. I tell you with your predictions here, Will's, Will's disgusted that I'm not this. I'm not, I'm not disgusted. I'm just thinking like Wisconsin has done this for, Except for, except for one year, they've done this for two decades straight. Excuse me, two, two years. There are two years, two decades straight. And like, I keep reading a lot of these like preseason, you know, write ups or or I'm hearing people talk about you know, you know, potential breakout players, and seemingly no one is mentioning Chucky Hepburn. And obviously, I'm wildly biased, but oh, Chucky's people are going to be they're going to be feeling silly. We Let me put it this way. If you're if you're listening out there and you don't agree they're gonna be top four in the Big Ten, feel free to email us and uh <laughs> give us your we question are... and give us any type of non-monetary bet you'd like, and we'll consider taking it up. <laughs> the buckycast43 at gmail.com, folks. Excellent mid-podcast plug right there. You can also tweet us at the buckycast. All right, let's move on to the the big kahuna here, which is the football program. Jim Leonard era has begun, and it it began very successfully with a 42 to 7 win over uh, Northwestern at Northwestern. It's the uh, biggest margin of victory at Northwestern since I believe the 80s, early 80s. Sounds right. Yeah. Wisconsin has not enjoyed Ryan Field. No one really enjoys Ryan Field. If you've been there, folks, you know what I'm talking about. But I think they mowed the grass right before the games was played, so that kind of helped. It didn't look quite as shaggy as it normally does. Pat Fitzgerald must not have gotten through to the grounds crew. Anyway, this was not a typical Northwestern team. Uh, Their offense was almost non-existent until the second half. Uh, they missed a chip shot field goal at the end of the first half, which Wisconsin had had, had an embarrassing miss on a field goal. Uh, Nate Van Zelst had uh, completely hooked a 30, what was it, 35 or 38 yard field? Well, regardless, a 30 some yard field goal. Yeah. It was, it looked really embarrassing, but Northwestern did us one better by shanking a 21 yard field goal. That's less than an extra point, And they, Dude totally pulled it to the left. It was astonishing to watch. I couldn't do that with a golf club. That was an extreme hook. No, wait, slice? Slice. Regardless, bad slice. bad golf shot. There, there weren't a lot of things that, that uh, you could take out of this game, I don't think, because Northwestern's just so bad. Uh, I know they beat Nebraska at the beginning of the year, but Nebraska's no great shakes, as evidenced by their epic 14-13 to 13 win over Rutgers. But um northwestern um, are you talking about the big 10 west leading about nebraska cornhuskers <laughs> look folks if your big 10 wins are against indiana and uh rutgers and your loss was to northwestern you've thereby played the three worst teams in the big 10 barring, play the games barring maybe schedule, michigan John. state you can only play the games in your schedule, John. I know, I know, but nonetheless, their, their schedule gets a lot significantly tougher starting this weekend against Purdue. Also true. And that feels weird to say because Purdue's been bad for so long, and now I have to acknowledge them as a actual uh, a rival football team in the Big Ten West. But then again, Nebraska's been awful too. So anyway, I'm getting off course. Northwestern did not have much to take out of this game uh, in terms of what they were in terms of what they were doing. Their defense could not 
stop Wisconsin's passing game at all. And that was obvious from the very first drive, which ended in said shanked field goal. Wisconsin's passing offense was great in this game. I don't know of any other way to describe it. Uh, with the exception of a couple of overthrows by Graham Mertz, it, it, he connected on so many downfield shots, mid-range shots, short passes. On the opposite side, Wisconsin's defense really just Northwestern couldn't get anything going. Guys, from each of us, and I'll start with I'll start with Will. What's your big takeaway from this Northwestern game? You know, I think you said like Northwestern isn't a good team. We also that, you know, the firing of Paul Chris gave this team a jolt of, you know, energy, a shock to the system, so to speak. You know, one one thing I my my buddy said to me, we were watching the game at a local establishment in Madison. And he said, he's like, I'm not going to walk out of this bar thinking everything's solved, but I'm going to walk out happy. And I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty good. And one thing specifically, like, I really liked the play calling. I think there were some questions last week in terms of who exactly would be handling that. Um, it's been you know, reported that Bobby Ingram was had full full reign to call the plays he wanted this week. But one thing I, I rewatched the first half worth of plays, and I thought for sure Wisconsin was passing more in first down. I've mentioned that in this podcast earlier earlier this year. I wish they passed more in first down. And in the first half, out of their 19 first downs, they only threw on six of them. And when I got that stat, I was like, that cannot be true. Double-checked it, and it was. However, on their first 12, they had six passes and six runs. So perfect 50-50 split. And of those six passes, they had four play action. All four of those were completed, and one of them was a touchdown. So I think our play calling, like, like to your point, John, passing game was great. And I think because we came out throwing at a higher rate than we usually do, including some play action, that allowed us to – to run the ball a little easier because that defense was backed up box. Wasn't quite as um, stacked with Northwestern defenders and running from all angles too. I mean, they brought out, they tried out Vinnie Anthony for a couple of jet sweeps, which we have not seen this year. There was RPO action. Rob, what, uh, what did you see? What was your, uh, what was your takeaway from this? Okay. So we're going to give the caveat that Northwestern is a bad team. I understand that. However, About 52 years ago against New Mexico State, I mentioned that when you play a team that you're much more talented than, then you should win by a huge margin. And that's what we did. We did what we were supposed to do. So the thing that I find very promising is that our big concern with Chris was his ability to spread the plays around, to to have a, a varied offensive uh, scheme to be able to run. And I think we saw that this year, this, this uh, game. And that's the most promising thing is that the coaches are changing what they did or what they do to enable the players to be the best that they can be. Now it's squarely on the players to perform the way that they need to be able to perform. If the coaches are going to continue to give them the opportunity to do so. An example of that is, yeah, we didn't have a lot of penalties, but honestly, I was surprised we had as many yards at the end of the game when I looked at it because our running game didn't seem that impressive. I think the highest, uh, the the longest run we had, I think was what, 20 yards, 30 yards, something like that? 23 or something like that. 23 yards. So I'm not scoffing at a 23-yard run play, but. It had to have been longer than that. Braylon Allen was running free in their secondary for more than 20 yards. Well, that's it what I'm saying. Like- I, I did not see, I didn't get that feeling. I, I felt that the running game was constrained most of the game. That's why I was so surprised to see our running stats at the end of the game. And I think that we have to make sure, especially, you know, the offensive line, again, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line, they have to make sure that they are continuing to perform at the highest ability. Again, we're going to go, we're going to talk about this later, but we're going to go against a Michigan state team. That's not going to be as much of a challenge two weeks from now when we play Purdue, I think it is, then we're really going to see how much different or how improved we are. But this week we need to continue to do the things we should be doing. If we're as good of a team as we think we are. So again, encouraged by what I saw in terms of the play calling, I think they executed it very well this year, this week, but I'm still a little concerned about how the players are going to play when we get to a team where they're going to start committing those holding penalties again. 
and things like that. So let's 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 keep the varied play calling this week, push that forward a little bit more, have another great game, another, you know, six, seven touchdowns, whatever. But let's see what happens in two weeks. I'm, I'm holding reservation for, for that two week, the game in two weeks. Rob, you're not asking for much there. Just six or seven touchdowns. That's fine. Hey, if you know, if, I can live with that. If Mertz is going to have two of the four or five touchdown games, he may as well go for six or, you know, three of the five. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll cover Michigan State shortly. Um, Will and Rob kind of stole my, my big takeaway, which I also kind of stole myself at the beginning. Northwestern is just, it's they're not good. Uh, you can't take a whole lot out of what happened on Saturday because – I feel like even if Paul Christ had been coaching and the offensive staff had been totally constrained, they still would have won that game 24 to 10. Northwestern's that bad, which, which pains, pains me a little to say, honestly, because I respect Pat Fitzgerald so much, but uh, we, we didn't learn as much. It was, it was a high, it was a hopped up uh, New Mexico state. We were playing, you know, so better players uh, still not totally competent offensively. And we're going to go up against a hopped up version of Northwestern uh, when we play Michigan State, except that Northwestern is actually better at pass defense than Michigan State has been this year. Uh, Guys scouting our opponent, Michigan State, for this week, Michigan State is not the same Michigan State team that was playing last year by a long shot. Will? Yeah, so one thing I I saw on on Twitter, I think it was like a week or so ago. There's there's a statistic called a a Detmer score or a Detmer rating. And for those who don't know, Ty Detmer was a Heisman winning trophy out of BYU in oh, I was supposed to look up the year. It was either the late '80s or early '90s. Uh, also backed up Brett Favre for a couple of years in Green Bay. And essentially, this this score a person can have is if you throw for a ton of yards and you generally throw for a lot of touchdowns and interceptions, but you throw for a lot of both. So your touchdown interception ratio is close to one, the higher Detmer score is. And um, the Michigan state QB uh, Peyton Thorne, I think is his name. He has a Detmer score of 2.74, which is top 10 in the nation. So our also side story, I didn't realize this until they mentioned the Northwestern game. Our defense has forced 10 interceptions this year, which is the most in the big 10 and tied for third in the country. So that makes me like the one thing I was a little nervous about this Michigan State game is that. Wait a minute, hold on here. I want to get back to this Detmer score. So yeah. he's the high. He's in the top ten in terms of quarterbacks who are who are good or bad. Well, that's the thing. Like he this this score means hey, you throw you, essentially he's just slinging it. Yeah, you got a you got a lot of yards, but you throw for a lot of touchdowns, a lot of receptions too. Okay. Um, so it's like I shouldn't say a lot of touchdowns and interceptions. I think in general, like. If your if your ratio is like one to one, I I didn't see like the, their formula, so I don't exactly know. But I think he has like ten touchdowns and nine interceptions. Like Mertz has a better, he has more touchdowns and fewer interceptions. So like, Actually, like I Mertz. looked I looked this up last night. He has nine touchdowns, seven picks. Oh, okay, but seven picks is not optimal. Um, Bram Mertz has thrown fewer interceptions than that this year. And mm-hmm. if you're throwing few, considering how Graham Mertz has played up to this point, excepting a few games against teams from Illinois. Um, if you've thrown more interceptions than Graham Mertz, you're not doing very well. And right. turning the ball over seven times in through uh, six games ain't great. It's not a good ratio. No. So, so that that makes me optimistic. And also, like Michigan State's reeling. You know, they if we need a team is where we want to be. But I would argue, like, you know, we reached our low point after loss of Illinois, and you know, we beat Northwestern. That's, you know, one small step in the right direction, but I would argue we're slightly trajecting upward. They are trajecting hard in a not good direction. I also know I, there's a couple guys that are kind of like, we're not really sure if they're going to play, but they have a couple injuries besides that. And I, I, I ruin our agenda here that they, they only they, in their four losses. They're averaging just over 50 yards a game. So like and 50 yards a game rushing, rushing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you said 50 yards. A game. I was say, like, wait a minute. Oh, that's in general. Impossible. Oh, no. <laughs> My that bad. would be horrific. So like, ah, geez. Like I know Wisconsin isn't in, in the spot we want to be in, but they're, oh man, like they're not in the, they're, they're not in a good spot. So I'm, I think we're fortunate. Our schedule for Jim Leonard kind of worked out this way. Like his first game was 
against a terrible Northwestern team. His second game is against a reeling Michigan state team. Like this, this could be a nice, this transition kind of worked out nicely for our, for Jim Leonard. And I, I want to make clear Mel, Mel Tucker is the head coach at Michigan state. Everyone knows about the contract. Everyone knows he's a Wisconsin alum and played on the Rose bowl team for Barry Alvarez. A lot of their guys who they're playing now because you know, they just don't have the, the Mark D'Antonio years left them kind of stagnant uh, recruiting wise. And the first couple of years under Mel Tucker weren't great. They're starting to see results now. And a lot of their young players are actually um, guys who are freshmen now, true freshmen and they're four-star recruits. They've also been missing defensive tackle, Jacob Slade, who is one of their best interior pass rushers. They've been missing uh, Chris Bogle, who is a Florida transfer, who is, also a good edge rusher uh they're missing xavier henderson or we're missing xavier henderson who is their all-star strong safety probably an nfl player and yet you know their defense has just been god awful Uh, they actually had to move angelo gross from free safety to nickelback because that position was just getting torched and so he got moved in there they have transfers all over their secondary and much like Wisconsin's transfers, it hasn't been a panacea in terms of pass coverage. Yeah, you so, know, I made a joke earlier about passing for five, six touchdowns, but I went back and I watched the highlights of um, the Maryland game, the Minnesota game, and the Washington game for Michigan State. And every single game, there's at least two receivers running running open or standing wide open. Their secondary is really hurting right now, and they're really having trouble. Uh, I honestly think that we're going to have a very good chance to pass uh, for a lot of yards uh, against this Michigan State secondary. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see if uh, if they're able to shore that up this week. But the, I, I I skipped the Ohio State game because let's let's be honest, Ohio State's Ohio State. But looking at the uh, the last three games before Ohio State, they really looked like they were having trouble defending defending against the pass. Uh, yeah, they're defensively, they're just, they're not, they're not that great against the run, but everyone just wants to pass on them because, you know, they're just, they're, they're awful. There's no other way of putting it. So, and now I say this and now watch their defense, you know, when they get Xavier Henderson, Jacob Slade back, be decent, but regardless, they're not good right now. Like uh, Will alluded to earlier, um, their passing game has not been as efficient. Uh, I know Jaden Reed, who was their um, All-American wide receiver, All-Big Ten wide receiver last year, has a fraction of the yards and receptions he did at this point in in last year's season. So they are actually being led by a different wide receiver in receptions. They have good receivers. Uh, They're big. They're fast. question is, you know, can Peyton Thorne find them? Their offensive line has not been good. Uh, they they brought in two transfer running backs, including our old friend Jalen Berger, former four-star All-American Bowl participant Jalen Berger, who leads them in rushing right now with about 300 and a handful of yards. Uh, they brought Elijah Collins, who's a blast from the past, a fifth-year senior back off their bench to start for them last week against Ohio State, and he actually did decently. But their offensive line has not been good. That's been a problem, a thorn in Michigan State side for years. And it's still not been solved as far as I can tell. So Michigan State is, is yeah, a good term for them is reeling. They are just going from low point to low point, getting absolutely crushed by Michigan or by uh, Minnesota at home. Was probably, I, you would think that would be the low point of your season until you get, you know, it just absolutely blowtorched by both Ohio state and Washington in the game before, and then beaten by Maryland on top of that. So they're not where they want to be guys. Let's skip right to the point. Why does Wisconsin win this game? Rob, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think they're going to win this game because they're going to be able to take advantage of these areas where they're injured and banged up. I think we're going to pass for a lot of yards against these guys. I think that, their offense, the, what's keeping them anywhere alive for the offense is their quarterback's ability to extend the play long enough for their receivers to get open. So if we can get our pass rush back in place, I think it's going to be feasting all day on this on the defensive side. And I think our passing game is really going to uh, – if they if the coaches keep up this uh, – 
this this aggressive passing uh, concept in our schemes that I think we're really going to torch them on the pass on the pet uh, in the uh, air game. Will, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, I think you know, like I mentioned earlier, like both these teams not in the place they wanted to be, but to me, at least from an outside outsider looking in, it seems like Michigan State is trending in the wrong direction, while Wisconsin might have started to turn a corner. I don't want to get too ahead of myself here. So I think from I mean the reasons we listed, like this team does not match up statistically against us very well. So that for that reason, kind of for where we're both for where we're both at, for the fact that our play calling in our last game was wildly different from the first five. So Michigan State has less film to go off of. You know, I I think I think we win this game almost from a a, a preparation standpoint. You know, like our our teams are in just wildly different places. And from everything I've heard with like interviews with Jim Leonard, he seems to be really preaching the whole preparedness, efficiency, communication aspect. I, I don't see us going into Michigan State and laying an egg and based on where their team's at. It's, it's just going to sound really insulting, but I think, I think that's going to be enough right there. So Michigan State uh, is in a bad place right now. Arguably, Northwestern has more momentum than they did to go into this game because Northwestern had at least won a Big Ten game. Michigan State does not have that. They've beaten a couple of MAC teams, which, you know, is essentially what Wisconsin's resume is right now. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what to take away from all this. The Badgers, you know, they, they they win this game because simply they're just they're in a better place right now. I would have to agree with Will. I think they they have enough positive momentum to go in. And I know this is Michigan State's homecoming, but this is a chance to really put your foot on the throat of another Big Ten opponent, a competitor, no less, in that mid-tier Big Ten range, and put your foot on their throat and squeeze. Wisconsin hasn't won three straight. Someone said it was since 93 through 95. And I don't buy that because I distinctly remember losing to Michigan state in 94, but uh, it's been a while since Wisconsin's had a three game winning streak against Michigan state. They've been really tough on the Badgers. That being said, I still think uh, this, this secondary is so bad. Even the return of Xavier Henderson is who's all, you know, an all American candidate is not going to help this Michigan State secondary. They still have to cover another group of players besides that. Watch out for Jacoby Winman. He's a edge linebacker who already has, I think, five and a half sacks this year. He's been their lone real pass rushing threat. Uh, So watch for him on the edge. But other than that, there's really no defensive player that I can say, you know, watch out for this guy. Uh, Offensively, you know, their wide receivers can sting you. Hopefully, uh, they Wisconsin can get a pass rush going. They have been underwhelming this year in the pass rush category. Uh, they really need to get something going there. Keanu Benton's a little hobbled. Nick Herbig has been hit or miss with pressures. This is not a good Michigan State offensive line. They should be able to get pressure on, uh, on Peyton Thorne. And if they do, I would expect turnovers to happen because we've just been generating a whole ton of turnovers. Uh, watch for John Torchio in particular to play the jewelry thief role in this game. And Kamoi Latu, I don't know what to expect from him, but he could very well you know, have a big role to play in this game, the two Wisconsin safeties. Gentlemen, uh, I'll, I'll throw this open to everyone. Uh, why hey, do you John, think they... sorry, John, real quick, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, just, just looking at your uh, statement about the three wins in a row, it did occur from 93 to 95, but that was a forfeit. There was a forfeit ah. in between. Before that, our last time that we beat them three times in a row was 82 through 84. And then we had a four-win streak in 1918 to 1925. <laughs> this, is the, this is the stuff you should be tuning into the Bucky cast to listen to. Our research department is unparalleled. Uh, so, yeah, Wisconsin, I, I knew they had lost to Michigan State. I was like, why is that counting as a, as a win for us? But then when you said forfeit instantly, I was like, oh, it's Michigan State, you know, that figures. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen, how does Wisconsin lose this game? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go first with this one. I think from Michigan State side, I mean, like you said, it's homecoming. So there is an aspect there. Also, look at their schedule. They got games at Michigan, at Illinois, and at Penn State still to go. And this team is two and four. So if, if they want to win a bowl game, they have to. If we have, I mean, if they want to get to a bowl game. If, yeah. If they, sorry. If they want to get to a bowl game, 
they have to win four and three of those games are against ranked opponents on the road. So they might look at their schedule and it might be like a put up or shut up moment. Like we got to get a W and it's got to start this week. So I, th- I think if, if that is like an internal realization for, you know, enough of their players and staff that could serve some sort of factor. And, you know, I think like, I, I say this as someone like I've, I'm, I'm really close becoming like a, a, a grammar's believer and, and really kind of going all in on that, on that train. But he's he's still prone to making some bad decisions it's far better than last year but you know if, if we give uh michigan state a couple extra possessions with turnovers who knows then you know yeah ball security is going to be key in this game uh more so than any other game michigan state commits penalties this is not an incredibly disciplined team so they really wisconsin really really needs to minimize their penalties special teams mistakes and uh you know, turnovers, they're going to have to hit a couple field goals eventually. Eventually, right? You hope. Rob, quickly, what do you th- what do you think the chances are Wisconsin is going to lose and how would they lose? Yeah, I think you guys hit the nail on the head again. There's only two ways we're going to lose. One is if we if we shoot ourselves in the foot, and that's by being overconfident, which I don't know how we can be after the things that have happened over the last couple of weeks. But if we're overconfident, we commit penalties, we create, commit turnovers, we're just not thinking. We're going we're gonna to lose the game that way. And the second one is there are a lot of connections between Michigan State and Wisconsin. And if the desire to beat uh, your former team is really high and you, you, you bleed that over into the other players on the team, then I think we'll see a different type of energy from Michigan State. So uh, they, they're coming off of, what, five losses, uh, four losses, five losses, something like that in a row. Uh, so if that energy takes, finally takes root, then we might see some issues. All right. What's the spread on this now? I had it at seven and a half. It might've gone up since uh, this morning though. So it's, it's changed a lot since it opened. Didn't, didn't we start as two point underdogs? We were two point underdogs when it first opened, then it just completely shifted. An example of of money determining the Vegas line. (laughs) Everyone instantly started betting that. And uh, the point yeah. total swung by six and a half points. And since Sunday, it has only gotten wider. Uh, it's now yeah. seven and a half. We are seven now and seven and a half. Okay. Seven and a half right now. The over under right now, I believe, is 49 uh, points straight up. Mm-hmm. Guys, do you think Wisconsin can cover that one? Rob's looking like he, 49 points. They'll score that by themselves. Uh, that is exactly what I'm going to say. Just like last week, this is a team that is reeling. Uh, that you're you have more talent than on the field right now, and so again, you do what you're supposed to do against the teams you're supposed to do them against. And this is not a team that we're supposed to go out there and beat by five or ten points. This is a team we should beat by a lot of points. So, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there again and say 39 to 10. It's a weird number, but I like yeah, okay, it. Yeah, I don't know how they get to 39. <laughs> Okay, fine. Thirty-eight to 10. no, 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 no. You said thirty-nine ten. You said thirty-nine ten. No, no, no. You, you know what? I hope to God that they get a safety. And you are screwed. Here. Six field goals and three touchdowns. <laughs> that's, that's what we're looking at right now, folks. Yeah, which would be a really weird, weird just wait, game. Just okay. wait till it comes around. You'll see. All right. All right. Uh, Will, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with Rob on this one. I think they cover both of those. Do you, do you have any disagreements? No, I think we do. I just, I, I found myself listening to a lot of Jim Leonard interviews this week and the dude kept mentioning, like I said, communication, um, him and Bobby Ingram both mentioned like, you know, we'll continue to tweak things, you know, it might look a little different week to week. And so that sounded like music to my ears. So I think my one concern was like, if we just think, oh, hey, this worked against Northwestern, like we fixed that problem. But it sounds like, you know, that process is continuing to evolve. So, yeah, I think I think we cover uh, I'm going to go. I don't, know, I don't think I don't think we can make a field goal. So I can't I can't do anything. It's not a multiple <laughs> of seven. Let's go. Uh, 28 10. Okay. You're not covering the points. Come on. It, oh, okay. So I meant I meant cover the. The spread, the spread. They, my they bad. They'll cover the spread, but not not, the, not, not hit the over under, under but... on the total points. Yeah. Okay. I think this game will reach forty nine total points. Uh, I just I, I don't know how it's going to happen. I think they cover, but 
uh, like Will was saying, it could wind up being like an eight or nine point win. But then again, I thought that against Washington State as well. And and lo and behold, look what happened. So hopefully they've kicked that uh, that little habit of losing to teams they should beat. I realize this game is on the road. It's Michigan State's homecoming. That's what makes it a little wonky for me. But then again, it was Wisconsin's homecoming against Illinois, and they laid a big fat egg. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna discount the homecoming factor. I think it was also Northwestern's homecoming when Wisconsin uh, came a calling and stole all their silverware and uh, impregnated their wife. We do have a, one bit of of house. Will just news. gave us the first half score. <laughs> <laughs> Geez, if it's if it's twenty eight ten at a halftime, I'm gonna be feeling good wherever I'm watching. He's the gonna game. be happy. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm texting you. Happy. I'm texting you when they score twenty eight points in the first quarter. <laughs> All right. Oh, Rob's getting cocky. We gotta we gotta uh, we gotta hurry this podcast along. The the booze is taking its effect on Rob. <laughs> he's he's nine feet tall and bulletproof right now, people. Um. Anyway, one bit of housekeeping uh, for the football team. Um, because the, the uh, NCAA passed legislation, they slammed the door shut on the transfer portal except for regulated periods. However, there is a loophole to that. If a coach is fired, uh, players have 30 days from that point to uh, enter the transfer portal. And Wisconsin has you know, obviously fired their coach. So players are going to enter the portal, and the first one to take the dip was quarterback slash uh mammoth human being deacon hill uh at six foot four 260 pounds he has taken his rocket arm and uh scattershot accuracy into the transfer portal he will no longer be getting a, a infusion of cheese curds every day he is you said thir- is, 30 days from when he was fired 30 days from when he was fired mm-hmm. all right so it looks like november 1st or maybe the second depends if they count the first day or not so first or second will be the last day it looks like Regardless, Deacon Hill's in the transfer portal. Yeah. Uh, good luck to you, Deacon. Um, despite all the semi-disparaging things I just said, uh, we wish you good luck. Honestly, uh, that's the that's the only housekeeping news I have. We could talk about offers, but I really feel like they're offering mostly 2024 and 2025 kids. We'll get to that. We'll yeah. get to that part. You know, once the off season kicks in in January, because right now it's just a, a blizzard of news, and Wisconsin's recruiting is still very much up in the air. And I hate to talk about prospects that we either a have no chance of getting, or b uh, might not be in consideration when a new coaching staff, if there is a new coaching staff, comes into play. On that note, gentlemen, uh, we're going to conclude uh, with our forward segment. Rob, what do you have to look forward to this weekend? Five touchdown passes by an outstanding QB, Mr. Mertz. I only call him Mr. Mertz now. MM. What? what why am I? Oh, Miss, okay, I get Mr. it. Mr. Mertz. No one's going to get that but you. Okay, how about Triple M? Mr. Mother and Mertz. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Rob, don't derail our podcast. Will, five, five will, um, <laughs> will, what sane thing do you have to look forward to? Um, I guess I am looking forward, and maybe not, I'm not going to guarantee five touchdown passes, looking forward to the Badgers passing game, see if it can go two games in a row. Besides that, I'm, I'm also looking looking forward to the start of basketball season, you know, with the red, white scrimmage and that first episode of the uh, Badgers in France thing dropping on big 10 network last week. Like I just, I want to see a team play live so bad. So we, we're going to have to Wisconsin, but when I say we is going to have to one up that every single year by going to a crazier and crazier place to play basketball in the off season, like pretty soon they're going to be the Badgers in China. You can only go every once, every four or five years. They got, they have to, spread it out oh man that's a silly rule i feel like they should be able to play overseas anytime they want to does canada count can they go to canada they went to canada a couple years ago yeah all right well i am looking forward to let's see there's so much to look forward to uh women's soccer we're going to see if they can pull out a uh, a big 10 title or at least a top three finish that would be great uh women's volleyball and women's hockey are both set up to have meaningful uh weekends as well but again the straw that stirs the drink at wisconsin is football 
Um, I'm hoping that Wisconsin can absolutely plant a mud hole in Michigan State, and I want to see Graham Mertz throw for over 300 yards. He hasn't yet done it in his career. So can can he pass that magic 300-yard mark? I think the last time a quarterback did that was, uh, was it Jack Cohn against uh, USF or, or Central Michigan, I think. Back in 2019, I think it was. I think so. He would be the first quarterback at Wisconsin to pass the 300-yard mark against a Big Ten opponent since Joel Stave, I think, back in 20, 2015 or 2016 against Purdue. I think he threw for 322 yards back in Purdue's uh, hallowed Daryl Hazel era. Let's just uh, let's see if that comes to pass, because this Michigan State pass defense is just bad enough that he might be able to do it. And I hope I didn't jinx it with that. Once again, folks, you can reach us via email. Please send us an email. We are thebuckycast43 at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can Twitter tweet us at... Let me restart that. It's getting to the end of the show. We're all tired. <laughs> you can tweet uh, tweet to us at the BuckyCast on Twitter. On that note, uh, we're going to say goodnight and uh, we'll talk to everybody uh, soon. Peace out. See you, everybody. Happy five touchdown weekend. <laughs>